1: Hello and welcome to Dynasty As They Wanna Be, a podcast where we drill into every episode of the iconic 1980s television series, Dynasty. I'm your host, Derek J. Lang, and with me is my co-host, Kyler K. Jafari.
0: Bonjour. I
1: want to start out the episode by telling you a little bit about a nightmare that I had last night. Um, So we went out to a lovely dinner and had some cocktails and a couple of glasses of wine, and came home, and we were like, let's watch Dynasty. Let's watch the next episode and get ready for the pod. Drunk
0: plans.
1: We put it on, you know, it's available on Amazon Prime. And we queued up this week's episode, which is titled Crystals Lie. And um, started watching. And um, I kind never of, finished watching.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, I kind of have this problem where I'm a bit of a narcoleptic. So. Yeah, I think it was like... But that's like, self-diagnosed, right? It's self-diagnosed. It's not an actual clinical... A little too much web MD for you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I got as far as... Uh, dun-da-da, dun-da-da. <makes noise>
0: Well, I just kind of looked over. I'm like, oh, you've fallen asleep again. This is what you do. And I'm just like, screw it. I'm going to keep watching anyway. I don't care.
1: <laughs> well, then I woke up and I thought I was having a nightmare because Lindsay was on my screen, like screaming about something. And I was like, what? Where am I? What's happening? What's going on? And I was like, oh, it's Dynasty. Dynasty. Uh, just,
0: just another day of dynasty maybe and that is a nightmare to wake up every day with dynasty on your tv
1: well it's certainly a nightmare it's to wake to
0: up with be like what my life seems like these days
1: <laughs> you love it anyway i apologize for falling asleep because as soon as i woke up and i saw her crazy ugly crying face i was like turn it off i'm going to bed
0: Well, that's why we're having a lot of coffee right now because we got to stay awake.
1: This is definitely the most caffeinated I felt while recording Dynasty as they want to be. I'm like, you're like climbing the
0: walls and like all we had was like burnt toast for breakfast. So I I don't know what we're going to do if we don't hurry up and get this episode over with
1: well i blame you because we had a lovely french press or what i thought was a lovely french press but actually there was like sludge in it so i think we were literally drinking coffee grounds. i was
0: ambitious shall we say i thought i could get eight cups out of <laughs> out of the french press which makes four cups i think it's designed for, for four. keeping track at home uh so i was like i'm just gonna try this once and see what happens and i i I'll just describe it as it queefed when I tried to press the the knob down. No, please.
1: People are going to turn off the (laughs) podcast. (laughs) It, It
0: did. And then the sludge came out of the top and... Then I felt bad because I was like, oh, this is expensive coffee. I, I don't want to dump this. I'm not going to abandon ship. And-, and
1: you totally fucking trolled me because I'm just like, mm, coffee. I wasn't going to tell you. Drinking, drinking, drinking. And then like on my last Well, sip- this is like how
0: the cook is not supposed to complain about their own, cl- their own cooking, right? So you just put it on the table and hope for the best.
1: It's not right, Kyler. It's not right. Yeah, on well, my last sip, I'm like, hmm, tastes solid. And then I like spit it out.
0: You're like eating your coffee. Yeah. I'm
1: like, why do I have to chew this right now? Normally I drink coffee. Mm, toothsome. And then I like spat it out like that mobster <laughs> that character. The Drive Mulholland reference. Drive. Yeah, which you, you understood that when I did it.
0: Yeah, you didn't even have to tell me. I knew exactly what you were doing.
1: Anyway, so it's actually probably a good thing because so much shit went down in this episode. We have a lot to discuss. So oh, I think we the need characters to
0: just, did all the drinking for us, so we just need coffee. Yeah, they can they can have all of the booze because this was an incredible episode. I think.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I feel hungover from all the cocktails and wine we had last night, or from watching this insane episode. So let's just get right into it, okay? Let's. Okay, so as I mentioned, I was awoken by the character of Lindsay. Lindsay Blazed. wailing by the car. Yeah, she was a wreck in this episode, as she is in every episode that she appears in. I'm starting to think she's two dimensional. I've said that from the beginning that she's one dimensional. Like clearly the Shapiros are a talented couple. Those are the, the writers and creators of Dynasty but i just don't think they understand how to have a fully fleshed out teenage well, character. Well, so yeah,
0: they're they're this character is here to be maybe that the audience that's a little bit younger might identify with her perhaps, so they're trying to have this teenage storyline, but it doesn't seem fully fleshed out and i don't think it goes too much further by the way, but
1: yeah, yeah. so what goes on in this episode is she overhears a conversation with her parents, Matthew and Claudia. Basically, we know that they got married young and have been together basically their whole lives. And they kind of talk to each other about how, yeah, kind of sucked that you had Lindsay at age sixteen, right, Claudia? Something like sixteen, yeah. So, um, they... and I'm
0: doing the math. Lindsay's now fourteen, so Claudia's thirty, but looks forty.
1: Well, fin- finally, we have a confirmation on somebody's age on this show, True. as we keep repeating,
0: but they make you do the math. They're not just going to come out and, and tell you how old these people are. So,
1: yeah, no, I'm taking notes, but yeah, so they got knocked up and then got married and lived unhappily ever after. You had so much going for you. I mean, ahead hit up, you know, you never got to go to college. You didn't even finish. It doesn't matter. We were kids. We got into trouble. We made a mistake. We have to figure out a way to stop punishing each other, to forgive each other for that, huh? And Lindsay overhears this and once again goes into a crazy tizzy for the whole rest of the episode. It kind of comes to a head at school. A little friend. Oh, of hers. but you're
0: missing the whole. My favorite scene in this is she goes to the county clerk's office and she's pulling up the good old fashioned microfilm. Oh, yes, we do have a. We micro-fiche. get a microfilm moment. Ooh. Actually, you're right. It was fiche. she um, was on the flat plastic slide. I right? love a yeah.
1: microfiche research moment <clears throat> yes. in yes. A popular culture. Well, here's the
0: thing: the Shapiro's managed to hit on all of the boilerplate, you know, topics. We've got the Got pregnant young and had to get married. Check. We've got the teenager always on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Check. Uh, the microfiche moment, of course. Mm, big um, check there. We, later, we get the dive bar uh, brawling. That's another. You know, cliche that likes to turn up in, in TV from this time period. So check, I don't know. Check. There's there's just a lot of these things, but it's it's a soap opera, and and they're doing all these things pretty well, I think. So it's it's hanging together successfully for me.
1: Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't really wrap up. She learns. Well, this I think on the microfish,
0: she's. Um, was that the marriage certificate or the birth certificate she was looking at?
1: I think it was the birth certificate. Showing that they each had different, different last, last names. names when she was I, born.
0: I think that's what, that's what I was making up in my head, but I wasn't really looking very closely anyway. So, But somehow that microfish is the key to all of her questions, and she figures out that they were not married when she was born.
1: Yeah, and so that leads to ugly cry. Or conceived, I should say. At school, that leads to ugly cry at home. It leads to ugly cry in the bathroom. I guess she's got resting
0: cry face.
1: (sighs) She really does, and it's so annoying. Because even when
0: she's not crying, she looks like she's about to or just did.
1: And I'm sure Katie Kurtzman is a lovely person, but I don't want to see her crying anymore.
0: I mean, it's hard to do this character a lot of service, I'm afraid, because this character really is just a vehicle to get this storyline into the into the show. So I, I don't blame her.
1: Yeah. Anyway, nothing really comes of it. She figures it out and it puts her into a depression. So enough with that. Matthew has his own problems going on. And boy, does he have issues this episode. Uh what should we start with first? I guess all of the drama at the oil rig. Well,
0: drama at the oil rig meaning what? You're talking Meaning
1: he's figured out who the real saboteur is. Well, but
0: that drama really plays out in the the bar later.
1: Well, yeah, but I mean we should explain that he um, you know, they all thought that Stephen Carrington was the one who took this bolt out right. that brought the operation to a
0: halt. Right, Stephen Carrington was the sacrificial lamb, uh, but turns out he was set up by Fast Eddie.
1: Yeah, Eddie the Roustabout oil rig guy. So Matthew heads over to my favorite bar. It makes a triumphant return, the hillside. This might actually
0: be a different bar on the inside, though, oh, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think different the first set.
1: time we saw it was a set, and this like it looks like it was this filmed on This could have been a real location. bar. Yeah, it's, yeah. No, it's
0: expensive.
1: Um. Yeah. So Matthew walks in, kind of smooth.
0: And don't forget these amazing POV shots with the handheld camera work.
1: Yeah, we get a little bit of different cinematography. Well, it's it's sort of
0: suggesting Matthew's like he's nuts right now. He's a he's on the prowl.
1: Yeah, he is going to take down Eddie, who is uh, currently pool sharking it, I guess. Matthew's goal here is to get Eddie to admit that he did it and who's behind this. Because Eddie is not just doing it for shits and giggles. Like, this is obviously a business maneuver. So they proceed to once again beat the shit out of each other.
0: Was this just like you could just beat up people in bars back then? I mean, I've been to a bar a million times in a million kinds of bars, and I've never seen this before, but it's always on TV.
1: And it's always Matthew Blaisdell. I think we've seen him get into like four or five different bouts of fisticuffs. It's insane.
0: Well, it's, it's decently choreographed for oh, your typical this is, TV fight scene.
1: Oh, of the fight scenes that we've seen on this television program... This is the best one. They are going all over on the pool table, on top of each other. I feel like against the, only, the cues. Bam. The
0: only miss was when they got against the cues and the cues didn't all fall over or snap into pieces I or know, something. Like I, wanted, I needed that. Moment. I know. I yeah. wanted
1: those things to snap like toothpicks, but I did like it when they got on top of each other on the pool table and then were just pummeling each other's faces. Mm, corner
0: pocket, baby. <laughs> uh, my my favorite touch from that scene was the uh, the Russian water torture maneuver. Yeah.
1: So basically, Matthew was waterboarding the fuck out of Eddie, yeah. which led him to admitting, "Dum dum dum,"
0: that Blake Carrington put him up to all of this.
1: Which was that a surprise to you? It wasn't really. It's a not surprise a surprise, but me. it's
0: also like, "Well, I didn't think about that." But yes, there it is, and and uh, it's just another one of Blake's nasty oil maneuvers.
1: Yeah, and. What I immediately started questioning was okay, so Blake Carrington's behind it, not a big shock because he's such a maniacal villain, but does Blake know that Stephen took the fall for this? Like that was where my brain immediately went to because that's even more
0: evil. Yes, and actually, Matthew calls that out later in Blake's boardroom or yeah. not office, not boardroom, but. And so, yes. I mean, did he know that? I think he would have had to because...
1: He knows everything, yes, apparently. Right. like right. That's been mentioned several times in the show is that he has spies everywhere. And he does seem to know everything before his kids know, before his wife knows. And he doesn't completely admit to it, but it seems like he did know that, which is nasty. It's...
0: It's like worse than nasty. We, do, as we find out later, he's willing to sacrifice even members of his own family for certain goals.
1: Yeah, I mean, we'll get to it, but Blake has reached the darkest depths of humanity in this episode. Oh, this and episode that's just it gets dark. The beginning. That's Ooh, just yeah. the beginning.
0: It's just classic blake nastiness you know which it gets even nastier because then he's telling him you know you've been pining for crystal all this time and i'm married to her and i want you to tell me that that you're still still in love love with her and that you think of her every day and every night uh or i'm not going to let my guys off of your oil rig and and i'll get you somehow you know and it's just like oh that's like quite an ultimatum to lay on the table, and, of course, Matthew's not going to take it.
1: Yeah, not only does he admit that he was, like, fucking with him, he's even saying, I'm going to continue to fuck with you.
0: Yes. It's It's very old-school Mafia style, which Matthew even says, like, that's the old way of doing things, and you can't be an oil baron and a tycoon, you know, like it's 100 years ago anymore. Like, there's new ways of doing things. You know, Blake, I used to respect you. I used to think you were the smartest man I'd ever known. But you're losing it. You're dying in it. You're operating the old way. Trouble is, the day of the old tycoon, the old baron, is over. And like them, you don't have any values anymore. You don't give a damn about anybody or anything. Oh, come on, Matthew. You're talking about America, the American dream. say fair, mother, apple pie, petroleum... I'm talking about how you poison just about every damn thing you touch.
1: So Matthew also has uh, trouble at home, not just with Lindsay, but with Claudia as well.
0: Well, I'm glad we finally got to the bottom of their marriage because you already could tell from day one, Matthew's screwing around with Crystal. Uh And then, so you're like, well, you already know this is probably not a great marriage. Then they have all the, you know, sex problems and she's going to a therapist And so they're not in a happy marriage, but then you finally get to the bottom of it. Oh, she was, you know, it was a shotgun wedding and it was all just for Lindsay. So now it gets even worse because him blowing out Eddie turns into Eddie going to the bookstore where I guess... Claudia, uh, Claudia now has a part-time got job. Got a part-time job. I mean, women in the workplace is hot topic back then. Well, it's just a part-time job. People aren't going to talk. That's right. Matthew. Matthew's not going to have to go get hormone shots just because his wife has to work for the you know to make the house payment. Um, yeah, so he goes to the books. Eddie goes to the bookstore and does this classic nasty move where he's going to get back at Matthew, and so he's going to tell Matthew's wife at her place of work of all things that unprofessional totally uh you know that matthew and crystal have uh, been putting the train in the tunnel and
1: while she was in while she was in the
0: locked up or in the hospital or however they well as she points
1: out she wasn't locked up she was just admitted into the hospital but she well first he just says that he was um fucking around on her and then she demands a name and he gives it up and he says it's Crystal Carrington, which we kind of know that she felt she like suspected they had a that. connection. Yeah. Yes. But she's pissed, rightfully so.
0: Also, she's working at a bookstore so here's more of these literary references that the Shapiro's like to drop into things
1: I know was she inspired by Stephen to uh, to go work at a bookstore kind of interesting uh,
0: he gave her a book so yes and she she did <laughs> that's all
1: it takes she- <laughs> <laughs> you give me a book and I just
0: want to work around them part time uh, well and she did she did bite into the apple in the living room at the beginning of the episode I
1: so was she, waiting for you to call that metaphor yes, out even
0: Eve receiving the knowledge which she goes to work at the a bookstore, and she receives the knowledge that Matthew and Crystal have been screwing around.
1: Yeah, and it kind of wraps up for them back in bed. Matthew, after all his drama, comes back and is like, You know, honey, let's go to therapy together. Let's work on this. And with this new knowledge that she has now, she's like, F that like
0: <laughs> I don't want to go to therapy with you. I'm going to bed now. <laughs> yeah, it turns the and light turns off. <laughs> the lights off. That's like a classic passive aggressive move, like staying up for your cheating <laughs> husband to come home, and then you go to bed and turn the lights out on him. Like she could have gone to bed five minutes before, like but she waited for him to get home so she could have that moment.
1: Yeah, that's true. I didn't very passive aggressive. But you know they say don't go to bed angry, but that bitch went to bed angry. Yeah, she was for hot. sure. The other kind of issue that Matthew had to deal with this episode, God, there were like so many problems for him, was uh, after he figured out that Eddie was the saboteur, he wanted to hire Stephen back as a nice goodwill gesture. But Stephen was like, no thanks.
0: He already moved on. Matthew, they
1: strung me up. They took a
0: rope and they tied it around my ankles and they hoisted me up and they let me hang there. And you, you didn't even talk to me. You just took it for granted that the faggot did it. I guess we have to settle this business with Steven and Ted. He gets a telegram, which, of course, nosy sister Fallon wants to see what it's all about. Of course, she knows it's from Ted, right? Because it's like her MO with her brother is is this whole gay storyline. And I guess Ted is going to come out to L.A. or San Francisco or both. And that's a springboard for... Stephen to come see him.
1: Yeah. I thought we were done with Ted, but apparently Ted is not done with Stephen Carrington. He wants to meet up with him on the West
0: Coast on this little trip that he's on. And Stephen doesn't seem that into it. I'm wondering. I mean, of course, I guess Ted's actually on business, but it's like, is he just pulling another one of his stalker moves where he flies out to the coast and it's really just to see Stephen? I mean, this guy's a poor lovesick fool essentially. I mean, he's totally lost in Steven.
1: Yeah. Well, and Fallon takes more of an interest than ever in this part of Steven's life. They have kind of a nice I heart. Like how to she heart. has that
0: uncomfortable conversation with him. Like, have you ever been with a woman? Have you tried it? Even? I know
1: I was bummed by that. Maybe because you'd find out you're not
0: gay. <laughs>
1: I know I was bummed by that because Fallon seems more evolved than everybody else more
0: advanced than pretty much everybody else in the house but
1: then she starts saying well try being with the woman if you haven't done it maybe you like it and it's like that's not really how it works sister
0: i mean at least she was soft about that like if she wasn't going for a hard gay conversion therapy like you know a la walter however maybe she was just saying you should experiment You know, maybe that's all she was getting at. Yeah,
1: but I think her main objective here is to solidify Steven as a power player in the Carrington clan. Yes,
0: she is certainly preserving an alliance with him because she knows daddy's a little bit not to be trusted.
1: yeah. And she wants him to do what it takes to ascend. And that means suppressing your homosexuality in 1981. Mm -hmm. Still, that's what she
0: says, basically. Like, just do and be. But why can't you be happy with the Carrington uh, heritage and all the money you're going to get one day if you just behave like Daddy wants you to?
1: And then she takes it so far to use this information that Ted is going to be on the West Coast, Best Coast. That she meets up with
0: him at LAX. I was
1: very surprised we get an exterior
0: shot with yeah, the theme this building. Yeah, is, this is where Fallon starts to get a little bit meddlesome, right? But this is her A character. little bit. She fucking flew to
1: LA to go meet up with her... Brothers ex-gay lover. You got to
0: call out the classic exterior establishing shot of LAX in 1981 or when, I guess, 1981 with the amazing architecture that's still visible today. Yeah, the theme building. But it's all been so built up around you barely would notice it anymore, which is sad. Yeah. Also, the interior of the airport is definitely not, I mean, maybe this was inside LAX. I'm sure they didn't actually shoot there, but it's, it's very late 1970s decor. Yeah. It's, it's quite an airport on the, the inside. There's like
1: Spanish tile yeah. and <laughs> neon green maps, and it did look pretty luscious. So, yeah, uh, Fallon meets up with Ted and says, Let me give you a ride to San Francisco in the Carrington
0: private jet. Oh, no. She says, Turn in your ticket. I'll give you a lift. Of course, it's on the private jet.
1: Uh huh. I was just thinking, like, how that would never work today. Like, you know just popping in the private jet and then like just return the ticket for a full refund without you know having to pay a 200 dollars. Oh, yeah. so much fee. more complicated <laughs> to get on a plane
0: these days
1: but yeah they just hop on there and have a nice little chat as they're flying up to san fran
0: i mean i guess she's just trying to charm him so that he'll lay off her brother is that what's going on I couldn't really figure out what she was doing oh
1: damn I was gonna ask you I didn't understand what they were talking about either I I think
0: the writers just wanted another excuse to put somebody on a private jet and use that (laughs) set because they spent a lot of money on that set and you know it's just it's fun to watch Fallon doing her thing
1: well I thought on one hand she was trying to talk him out of connecting with her brother because it was going to stop him right. but from I th- I ascending think to power it is
0: so charming that she kind of reverses course on that method
1: yeah but then yeah again they were having like a kind of a nice connection and then he invited her to have some lobster in san francisco and she seemed kind of Giddy, so I couldn't figure out what was really going on. Well, Maybe that's her
0: style. She just loves flying around three states over to eat dinner with somebody. I mean, that's <laughs> you know, she's bored and rich and has daddy's private jet. So she's like, okay, I'm down for that. You're not such a bad guy.
1: Yeah. Hopefully, we'll get more info on what was going on there. But it kind of—I mean, he
0: did kind of get into some of that dialogue with, uh, "Have you ever really loved somebody?" So it's it turns around the conversation she was having with Stephen. But have you ever slept with a woman? Have you ever tried it? And Ted's basically telling her, have you ever loved somebody? Right. Have she you doesn't ever tried un- that, understand
1: you know? the feelings that they actually have. And it seems like she doesn't. Yes. The other thing that Ted does that's really interesting is that he calls out Blake Carrington for all of his nasty business practices, which I guess have been reported in the news.
0: Okay. And we've seen Blake engaging in nasty business practices right in this very episode. And when we say business, that also applies to his marriage, which is clearly still a business deal. He got something really rotten to him. Uh, so, Blake goes from the boardroom to the bedroom, and Crystal's in lots of hot water.
1: Well, is she, though? Um, as we remember from the last episode, she pawned off a necklace to bail out Blaisdell and Lancashire, unbeknownst to her hubby. And... He figures out that they've been bailed out and he's thinking he wants everybody is a suspect. Colby, everybody but his own wife. Somebody named Harrison. Oh yeah, no, he he doesn't suspect her at all, but she she knows and he's kind of he kind of starts the episode on a tirade sort trying to figure I think it out.
0: She is worried that he is going to find out eventually, and that's why she's a little bit forthcoming and saying, It's not your friends. I know them. They would never do that to you. So it's she's almost confessing but she never quite gets to that next step to I say it out loud. I think she's just trying to talk
1: him off of the ledge because he starts going into that crazy rage mode and I hope I I think she hopes that he doesn't ever find out and just kind of like lets it go. I think But she's that's got a very sense, naive of her. I think
0: she has a sense of fatalism on this one. I think she's she knows it's going to come back to her at some point but that's just me reading into the character. I mean, the dialogue and the scene don't play out that way. So Blake's in, in the library, like frantically going through all of his, you know, PowerPoints and pie charts and Excel spreadsheets, trying to figure out what's going on with his oil business. And probably also trying to figure out where that money came from for Matthew Blaisdell. Who knows? He's just having general work anxiety, uh, and he's taking it home with him to the library. Uh, Crystal is like trying to snap him out of it. She brings hot coffee, but he's like, no, no, I need I didn't scotch. want any of that. Yeah, he's he's already got something to drink, and it ain't, it ain't as uh, caffeinated as what she brought him.
1: Yeah, he's just kind of on edge the whole episode. Every time he comes on screen, he, it's just like he's going to snap, or he does snap in some cases. He kind of shooes her away, and then she runs across Fallon coming home, Drunk off her ass, and I think she was stoned. Oh, it could be both. Yeah, out of her mind. <laughs> it's a kind of inconsequential scene, but it's some really great, it's like, actually drunk acting. It, from unfortunately, Pamela it has Sue nothing to
0: do with anything else. But it's actually one of my favorite moments out of this it's episode. So funny. I mean, PSM is working her magic. It's the most crappy dialogue, but she is just on fire. She's like chewing scenery
1: hi hello
0: fallon did you have a good time yes i did sorry to disappoint you why would that disappoint me well because my husband's out of town and according to your bourgeois ethical system i should have been locked in my room with a bronte novel
1: yeah, I think what we get from it is that even though she's in this kind of arranged marriage situation, she's still living her life, honey. She's going to do what she want to oh, do. Oh, she's happy
0: Jeff's like trapped over in the Iranian revolution or whatever, the oil that's tied up over there. And she's she's happy for that because now she can go back to being Freaky Fallon, you know, pre-wedding style.
1: Yeah, we we get a couple throwaway lines that um, that Jeff Colby has actually been sent to the Mideast by, by Cecil Colby. So that's why he's absent and not part of any of the, the plot lines. And yeah, she's just living life and going and interfering with her. Brother I just, I mean, if,
0: I think what we like about the scene even more than just her hammy acting is uh, Crystal, the looks again, man, she acts with her eyes. I've never seen this before. You know, they say Betty Davis eyes, but it should be Linda, Linda Evans, Evans eyes. eyes. She is just saying nothing and everything. I just love the reaction to, to Fallon. She's just like, okay, I, I see what you've been doing and I'm, I'm not having any of this. i all you talk a- and I'm going to leave the room now.
1: There's also excellent prop work from PSM with this big giant feather white boa. <laughs> she loves that
0: damn boa. You know, she she wore that boa a few episodes ago.
1: I think she might have upgraded it. This one seemed a little bit fluffier ex- than the previous yeah, one.
0: I, and maybe it's went from chicken feathers to ostrich feathers. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, but all of that sort of drunken frivolity and joy is completely obliterated when Blake goes into the closet and sees that Crystal has been taking birth control.
0: But I like the little touch that he discovers it in the pocket of her, you know, blue nightie that's hanging up in the closet. Right, it's in. Then, he just so
1: happens to knock over one of fifty oh, robes so ha- right. that she has. I mean,
0: she's only got like an entire walk-in closet full of those. And of course, he he figures out very quickly. You know, the camera has to like spell it out for you. It's like here's this little box, and there's a monthly pill that's supposed to be taken, and like it's like the months are actually like demarcated, and it's like oh, birth control pills. I couldn't figure that out, but. Blake figures it out. And I love that when she gets home, she walks into the bedroom, fur coat flowing. And she- after a night out with the girls. Uh-huh. And then she t- takes one look at Blake, who is trashed on the bed with like a half empty decanter of scotch. He's laying on the bed with the decanter yes. in his hand. This is a classic drunk, feeling sorry for yourself image. And Crystal gets one look at this and then turns back and looks at the chair. And there's her her blue nighty, and she's like, "Uh uh-oh. That's the (laughs) nighty where I keep my birth control. Birth control (laughs) nighty.
1: We have never seen Blake this low, despite his company almost going belly up. Whatever it is, him wanting a child with Crystal is what has sent him to the darkest, deepest place that we've ever seen him go. And what happens next, I don't even know if I can talk about it because it's so bone-chilling.
0: It is... it is. If Everything I've seen on Dynasty, not even so far, but for the entire show, I think this might be the most uncomfortable thing. It still does not play today even. I, I can't even imagine how scandalized people must have been at the time. He's essentially spousehole raping her.
1: Yeah, it's a marital rape. So he confronts her about the pills, she kind of apologizes. It it starts with this
0: actually very, like, fun moment where he's going on this, like, a diatribe. Is it that I'm surrounded by people who can only betray me? People who say that they believe in me and then don't? My son is in love with another man. My daughter is in love with sex. He's probably still sleeping with every player on my football team. My wife... Who knows what my wife is
1: doing behind my back? What are you doing? I think he really was putting his hopes of all of the problems that he's been having on this child, like this child was going to solve everything, which a lot of people do that. And that's what sends him into this rage, but it's completely unforgivable. Well, then he I, starts grabbing it's, crystal It's and just so sad her. because I
0: really liked that diatribe. He, like John Forsyth was just really it was good, you know? It was it was like it's almost over dramatic and silly. And then like suddenly he goes into spousal rape mode and it's like, Oh, Uh, I don't want to keep watching this. And she runs to the door to get out of the bedroom. He grabs
1: her. He throws her on the bed. He's ripping her clothes off. Like it's definitely marital rape.
0: And it's there's no way to slice it. Yeah. And honestly, I don't think anybody can watch this today. And not feel like maybe they shouldn't keep watching the show.
1: It's triggering for sure. And I don't know how I'm going to be able to get through or come back from this. Knowing that Blake Carrington is a central character on this show. Like we're only in season one. And he's raping his wife? What the fuck?
0: The thing is, is he he was being like evil and conniving and manipulative and then it goes over the line here. And it's it's no longer just nasty. And he's, he
1: he's, drank a whole decanter of uh, scotch. I mean, I think that, that doesn't excuse I it. I think that's
0: supposed to excuse the character's behavior, but uh-uh. no.
1: No. So is that how it ends?
0: That is how it ends. It doesn't say to be continued. And I hope it is not. I Thank don't want to see anymore I this. don't want that
1: scene to be continued. I want to wipe it from my memory. I don't know how we like segue from that, but I did want to talk about the interesting weird musical cues
0: in this episode. Did you notice how like, Oh, certainly. And well, of course this last scene we were just talking about it. Part of the heightened sense of drama is this wild over the top soundtrack that's playing behind it, which is, you know, your classic orchestral, you know, rehashing of the dynasty theme, but it's all dramatic and done in minor chords and, And it builds that, you know, that final peak when we go to the end credits. But I think there's also like, uh, some really interesting, like I don't know if it's royalty free jukebox music at the bar during the fight.
1: Yeah, when Matthew walks into the 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 roadhouse
0: or the hillside, I, as I'm it's just called. like, I'm just trying to imagine like all these tough guys like hustle and pool at the dive bar, and listening to music. Li- they're like listening to music. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like I want to know who put that on. <laughs> like, yeah, that guy's going to be my friend. And <laughs> then
1: when Lindsay like is having her emotional breakdown, it's like a crazy like harp. Music. Yes. No. It's like the music was just all over. I felt insane this whole
0: episode. I I would say they could dial it down, but this is Dynasty, and I guess things are are finally kind of escalating where this show is sort of like discovering what it's going to become because it's this is where I mean the previous episode was was great with storylines, and this episode is really over the top with the action and the drama. And even the unpleasantness, like it or not, that this episode will stick in your mind. There's no way you can forget this moment in this this episode. Yeah, it was an
1: emotional roller coaster for sure. Let's cleanse our palate and talk about our looks of the week.
0: Well, I still can't even really
1: talk, but let me know what your look of the week was.
0: My look of the week was most definitely Fallon at the airport. It's this wonderful sort of fur coat, I guess, but it's got uh tribal bead and feather dangling like in small details all over it, and then she's got this like totally exaggerated western hat that's like uh is that woven or is that snake skin? I guess it's a woven straw and it's, it's this Western fantasy that she's, she's doing and it's kind of out of character. It seems for her, but she's also like, looks like she's willing to take fashion risks. So, I guess it's believable. Yeah,
1: I didn't know if she was like trying to be undercover or something, but like Ted doesn't know who she is. So is this just what people wore to the airport? Maybe she thought this would be intimidating
0: to Ted if she dressed up like John Wayne.
1: Uh maybe she thought it would be appealing. Maybe she's like, Well, the village people have a cowboy, I'll dress as one of them. He's
0: into westerns.
1: My look of the week was the very first outfit from Crystal at the beginning of the episode when her and Blake coming like out dress, yeah. from a from a night out. He's in a tuxedo and she's wearing what might be the first time we've the seen first her time in a fur, right? Oh,
0: I thought you were going to call out the fact that it's shoulderless, which I don't think we've ever seen her shoulderless in a dress before oh the dresser shoulderless yeah sorry bare shoulders yeah Excuse it's a,
1: no it's a beautiful white dress with like a, a a bejeweled detail on it and then you mean on the belt yeah, yeah and she's wearing a fur on top of it but what I was saying is I think it might be the first time we've seen her wear a fur which
0: I can't she might have worn that fur a couple episodes but anyway but it, it, it's definitely classic crystal and this is one of your first moments in that fur coat
1: Yeah, well, we've talked about it a lot before that she hasn't really brought the fashion. And we know she's going to in the next uh, decade of this show. But this is the first time I've seen her in like sexy evening wear. Mm. She's showing a little bit of skin. She's like got some great accessories. The earrings that she's wearing glisten and sparkle in that scene. And it's just providing so much light
0: uh, also, the dress itself, I is, usually don't like this cut of dress, but it's got this pe- peplum detail, but it's not fluffy, it's drapey, and it kind of gives this, uh, you know, again, this Greek goddess look in this white color, um, but paired with the the fur coat seems more like Crystal, so it's not out of character, even though she normally would never wear a bare shoulder dress.
1: But yeah, two really powerful looks from our from our femme fatale leading ladies, Fallon and Crystal. That's another episode of Dynasty as They Want to Be. Thank you so much for listening. Kyler, thank you so much for joining me for this really difficult episode. You're welcome. I also want to thank DJ Jugo, who composed and created our our theme song, and the artist Lindsay Mound, who designed our graphics, which you can see at our website, which is nastypodcast.com. That's nasty, not dynasty, N-A-S-T-Y, podcast.com you can also follow us on all the places on social media we're at nasty podcast n-a-s-t-y p-o-d-c-a-s-t
0: ta-ta love you mean it